Hello, this is Brian Bassett of Fogat, and I, you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, this is Danny the Count Coker of Count 77, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. So 345 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. In episode 345, we are pleased to be joined by Lou Maresca of the band Live at the Fillmore. Live at the Fillmore is one of the uh, country's best um, Almond Brothers tribute band, and not only an Almond Brothers tribute band, but really dedicated to the original lineup of the Allman Brothers, which included Dwayne Allman and Dickie Betts uh, in that uh, sort of era up until Brothers and Sisters. So they're going to be doing a show on August 2nd at Jurgles in Warrendale. So we had the opportunity to talk to Lou uh, about the band, um, their specific mission, how they went about uh, recreating the sound of the Allman Brothers and all that goes into putting on a show like that. So Without further ado, let's talk to Lou Maresca of Live at the Fillmore. show from the band live at the film where we have founder Lou Maresca on the line. How you doing, Lou? 
I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Now, you guys are rolling into Pittsburgh on Wednesday, August 2nd to do a show yes, at Jurgles. Um, wanted to get an op- a chance to talk to you guys. I was a big fan of the Almond Brothers myself, obviously. Like, likewise. <laughs> yeah. You're probably a little bit bigger of a fan or more of a student then than I was. Um, but uh, obviously some things transpired recently with Greg's passing in the news. Um, kind of makes you know a band such as yourself all probably all the more important now uh, to keep that legacy of you know what the Lawman brothers were going. So I wanted to talk you know kind of at the beginning. What what was the impetus to start your own sort of tribute to the Almond brothers? Well, uh, as a, a fan going all the way back to the original lineup of the band, um, I had seen them a number of times in '70 and '71 with all of the, the very original members and that was what did it uh, just just hearing them for the first time uh, just really impressed me and I, I was I was a, a convert from from the very first I actually put together a band in 1971 called Sky Dog okay which, which was Dwayne Allman's nickname mm-hmm. uh, and um that may have been before there was ever the term uh, tribute band. Yeah, we we were a tri- we were a an Allman Brothers tribute band. So that's that's what uh, started it, and I have I've wanted to do it uh, since about eight years ago. I decided to on my own uh, put together an, another tribute to the uh, original Allman Brothers, mm-hmm. and. Um, that's how uh, Live at the Fillmore came to be. Now, how was the, the reaction? I mean, I, I think we've had this kind of argument internally amongst the Iron City Rocks folks uh, and with the Facebook fans about the validity of, of tribute bands. And, we, and for a long time, we just didn't get involved with even covering tribute bands. But I think especially is, you know, a lot of our heroes and idols are hitting their 70s. And, you know, Mick Jagger, I think, turned 74 today. You know, mm-hmm. th- these bands can't keep doing this. Um but the concert experience was so vital. You know, you can watch DVDs of, you know, the Allman Brothers and things like, you know, the Rolling Stones, but at some point, people still want to see it live. Um, so we've kind of come around to accepting that it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal, and, and especially in, in when you look at the venues that you guys are playing. You know, it isn't like, you know, you're playing a 100-seat bar you guys are playing series venues and a lot of you know other bands, tribute bands. We, you and I talked off mic about Pink Floyd, uh, Led Zeppelin tribute bands, Kiss tribute bands. Um, how have you seen that market kind of change over the course of your, your doing the Live at the Fillmore? Well, you know, when I put the band together, it was always with the specific intent to be, for lack of a better way of saying it, the world's greatest tribute to the Allman mm-hmm. Brothers band. Mm-hmm. I you know I didn't want the band just to be a local uh, bar club cover act, mm-hmm. and I had some opportunities um, to become involved with other cover tribute bands that you know I I really needed to take leave of just because I realized early on that they would not reach the level that I was looking for right. um, for what I wanted to accomplish and. A lot of the places that Live at the Fillmore performs, as, as well as some of the other top tribute acts across the country, are the same venues that 
the original bands themselves performed. And in our case, uh, we, we play a number of the same venues that uh, Greg Allman played with his band, Dickie Betts uh, played with, with his bands, and other members of the Allman Brothers, Tedeschi Trucks, Government Mule. We've shared, uh, we've shared bills with those bands at, uh, at festivals. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the panorama has changed for the very reason that you said, a lot of the the bands from the uh, early days of rock and roll, uh, in, in particular mid mid sixties on, have come and gone. Um, you know they've they, they've passed on. They're no they're literally no longer with us. They no longer tour as as those bands. And people that grew up listening to that music and and people that have gone back and listen to that music younger people want want to hear it they they don't want that music to go away and they don't want the live experience of hearing it to to go away either and you know i had this discussion with a friend of mine within the last week the social media technology has has changed a lot of things in in culture and uh, in particular entertainment to the to the degree that people that go to shows now are not there so much to be audience and to listen to or or watch the show they're there to be participants in the event and you see all these selfies and videos yeah. uh, of people putting themselves up on social media and and it's very um it's very much more egocentric than than it ever was where it, the phenomenon now is look at me and what I'm doing here while yeah. such and such performer is on stage yeah that's a that's a great point yeah everybody's got to you know it's almost like it's not worth going to a concert if you're not tagging yourself or having a picture of yourself at the event and, and you're exactly right you know right People, now you know we we don't uh, we're always asked by the venues what what's your policy on on photographs, video, recording, mm-hmm. etc. And the policy is people can people, people can photograph us, they can uh, record the band performing, they can uh, videotape the band. The only thing that we ask is they don't flash during the show because it's disruptive to right. uh, to the performance. Right. Um, and our audience. Is, is very respectful. It's a very musically uh, savvy audience, and they're there to listen. Um, they're they're really there to listen to what we're doing on stage. We we have a number of fans that have come to see us repeatedly uh, over a number of performances. We have people that come to see us for the very first time, and there are the the two different people, the ones that are skeptical, that are hardcore fans and say, well, I'm going to go listen to these guys and, and see what they're all about, but I'm really not expecting very much. And then there are the people who have heard about the band and the reputation that we've developed and and know what to expect because they perhaps have seen us before. But uh, when anybody leaves... It's always the the same result. It's man, you know, if 
I mean, if I turned around or if I closed my eyes, I, I, w- I would have thought I was at a, a, an Almond Brothers concert. Right. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing, like I look at myself as a great example, specifically with the Almond Brothers, because I, I became a fan of the Almond Brothers, kind of through becoming a fan of Government Mule first, which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. maybe kind of a weird way to do it, yep. but. Honestly, since I kind of got into that music, I don't know if I've had all that many opportunities to actually see the Allman Brothers since, because they just, you know, with with Greg's health, touring schedules, routing, things like that, it just, I don't honestly know if, if the Allman Brothers have been through the market when I've been able to go, so I never got to see them. Um, right, right. You know, and, and I kind of had a feeling over the last few months with concerts being canceled and then... You know, obviously Greg breaking up the band, and he kind of always hoped that maybe that was just a temporary thing. But then when he started canceling shows, you know, you could start to see the writing on the wall. But you know, I will never have the opportunity to see the original Allman Brothers or you know anything even close. Because even what was coming was still, you know, what two two of the original members of the Allman Brothers, if I'm not mistaken, was in the last touring lineup. Maybe three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, you had Greg, you had JMO, and you had Butch. Right. So okay. So three. Um, yep. But you know, I look at you know bands like Foreigner. You know, they're touring with one member of the original band. Um, right. Right. You know, even the bands that are still technically quote you know legally the bands are still touring with you know you know relatively small percentages of original members. So it's kind of a situation where it's not a big departure to say okay I'm going to go see live at the Fillmore because they're able to do the music spot on or in the same spirit you know it's the same you know the songs you grew up loving um, right you know right. more intimate venues um, mm-hmm. now w- when you put this band together I mean one of the things that I think anybody who's ever been a fan of the Allman Brothers realizes you can't just get any old guy who owns a bass and any old guy who owns a, a guitar to come up there and join you um so how did you work out of the band? And I, I apologize, I'm not even sure what instrument you play or if you sing. Um, can you talk uh, yeah, a little bit about I, how the band came together musically? Sure. I I play the majority of the Dwayne Allman guitar parts. Okay. And I sing uh, the majority of the Greg Allman vocals. Okay. And uh, as, far the ha- how, as far as how the band was put together, it began, I guess, oh, eight years ago was when I first started to assemble it. And um, you, you're correct. It's you. You can't just throw anybody together mm-hmm. and have it work. And uh, some very good friends of mine in uh, the Philadelphia area, which is where I'm based, and live at the Fillmore is is based in the Philadelphia tri-state area: New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, uh, Delaware. Um, there were a number of friends of mine that are extremely accomplished musicians that I had considered and spoke with um, initially that either I realized or they realized or we both understood that it wasn't going to work because that's just not the genre of music that they gravitate to mostly when they play. Exactly. And, and, in other instances, it might have been a situation where someone did not want to confine themselves to performing that music that way mm-hmm. uh, consistently. So it was a good thing, actually, that we, we knew this before we ever got started together, 
because it would have been just uh, disruptive to bring somebody in to find out after the fact that you know they either don't don't suit the music or they're just not happy doing it on an ongoing basis. So I not only had to find people with the musical ability to perform this to to that level that I was expecting, but also had the desire uh, to perform it. And what that meant was I needed to find people that were as hardcore Almond Brothers fans as I was, who were also highly skilled musicians. And that's no easy undertaking. They're, not at all. Uh, not at all. As you can imagine, there there's only a, a certain number of, of people out there that, that can handle uh, both of those requirements. And then you compound it by the fact that personality always plays a huge role in having a band be successful over an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Personalities come into play. Uh, group dynamic be- becomes a factor. So for those reasons, people came into the band that just over time, uh, it was apparent that they were not going to survive the long haul or, or the band was not going to survive the long haul with them as a member. So, uh, you know, people did come in and leave the band for those reasons. Um, I had to, in certain cases, make the decision that, you know, you're just not the right person for it. Um, so th- there's an there's an evolution to the band, and over time, as as people came in and out, we just found the right mix of people from. Uh, a musical standpoint uh, dedicated to the the mission statement of the band, if you will, uh, which was from the outset, I said, look, this is a tribute to the Allman Brothers Band. We're not here to... um, We're we're here to imitate. We're we're not here to, uh, you know, recreate or... the, The point is, you're you're here to sound like the original band and not go off on your own tangent. Sure. The Allman Brothers Band, people mistakenly refer to it as a jam band, which it really is not. It never was, never Mm -hmm. has been. Uh, I I would say in later incarnations of the Allman Brothers, they became more a jam band. But the essence of the Allman Brothers, especially in the early years, that was a band that spent so much time together musically, personally, uh, ate, slept, did other things together, mm-hmm. uh, to the to the degree that the music became worked out uh, and was not a jam. Even the sections of the lengthy songs that the Allman Brothers band play are not. Uh, as freeform improvisational as people might assume. Uh, I've seen the band numerous times uh, very close together, several shows within the same week. And you could take 85% of the music that they played, and it would be all but the same within a given song, night after night. Yeah, there there was was opportunity to to stretch a little bit, Hmm. but... 
what what I learned was that they found those elements in, in those improvisational sections of their songs that they really liked and they retained and, and other parts that they discarded because they just didn't work. Were never as uh, important, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. And what you had at in the end uh, in an album like at Fillmore East, the songs on that record were played by the band, you know, every week, many times in live performance. Hmm. And I think the thing that made at Fillmore East what many consider to be the greatest live rock album of all time is the fact that it was the culmination of all the shows and the playing together that they had done and it and it came together uh, in one weekend of shows at Fillmore East in New York over a Friday and Saturday with the, the best renditions of those songs and the best performances within those uh, so-called improvisational sections mm -hmm. uh, and and the fact is, a lot of people who were Allman Brothers fans know that that album is actually an edited composite of four shows. Right. Some some of those are not even c contiguous songs played start to finish in in one performance. They're 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 sections of songs that were put together by producer Tom Dowd to to suit what he felt was the best rendering of those songs over that weekend. Um, something that's more historically accurate is uh, a re-release called the, the Fillmore Concerts, which uh, was a remix that Tom Dowd did um, in New York, and, and that's a more faithful reproduction of what the band actually played on a song on a given night at Fillmore East. Right. So when you um, when when you guys go to you know I, I would assume you're playing the majority of that album in your shows or you know some culmination of greatest hits. Um, do you guys try to faithfully reproduce that recording, or do you have any sort of liberty at all when you when you guys do that, or what is what is your goal as far as note perfect performance? Um. I'll say that the template for us for the songs that are on at Fillmore East is the original vinyl album at Fillmore East. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, there there is uh some personal freedom to, you know, explore a little bit mm -hmm. within the framework of those songs and and that that version of those songs. And we've all listened to many, many uh, live recordings of the Allman Brothers playing those songs. The the original band with uh, with Dwayne Allman, Dickie Betts, and, and Barry Oakley, uh, as well as every other uh, iteration of the band after that. But we really do try to at least give the audience the the sense that they're listening to how the original band would sound um, from 69 to, say, 73, mm -hmm. when, when Dickie and, uh, and Barry were still in the band. Right. Uh, you know, we, for, that, for that same reason, I've resisted playing uh, 
many songs beyond the discography of the band uh, past brothers and sisters. You know, after after Dickie and after Barry, okay, uh, we're no longer in the band. So, so that, that was actually going to be one of my questions. You don't delve into any of Dwayne's solo material or Seven well, Turns we, or, or any of that kind of stuff from the newer. You know, I would say newer, but it might be twenty, thirty years old. Some of that material, but any of the Post Brothers and Sisters stuff. We we do now some of the Post Brothers and Sisters uh, because the Allman Brothers, as of uh, two thousand fourteen, retired from performing. Mm-hmm. You know, back back bef- when they were still performing as the Allman Brothers band. I would say to people, if if you want to hear the Allman Brothers today, then go see the Allman Brothers. If right. you want to, to go and hear the Allman Brothers of 70 to 73 with, with Dwayne, Dickey, and Barry, mm-hmm. then you, you come and see live at the Fillmore uh, because you're going to get a, a more authentic performance of what the band sounded like then with those right. players. Uh the current Allman Brothers band with, with Warren Haynes, with uh, Derek. Derek Trucks, with O'Teal Burbridge, and, and anybody that you know preceded them after Dwayne, Dickey, and, and Barry were no longer in the band, they had the freedom to do whatever they wanted yeah. in the uh, Allman Brothers band because they weren't a tribute band. That's, that's a great point. They were the Allman Brothers band. That is, that's a really great point you bring up. You know, you think about if you look at you know, you know some of the later Beacon videos or, or things like that, and compare it to the band that the, you know of the era you're talking about, they don't necessarily sound the same. Really, I mean, Warren was involved. They don't sound nearly nearly alike. Right, you've got uh, some Latin percussions and things in there, and, and you know Warren's right. influence. Derek's slide is certainly not the same as Dwayne's slide. Uh, but no. you know, they're a band who was evolving and have changing members and you know I think any band that naturally plays music that long is going to change or they're, 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 they would have become irrelevant but well sure you're, you're charged with something totally different where you're trying to take a time capsule almost and that's a really interesting point you bring up well you know we do that but then we we go beyond that in some cases because what what I've tried to do um, there's been discussion of doing some original material Mm-hmm. Which which we are uh, becoming involved in, but uh, I felt that as a an interim to that, we should do some very well known songs and think in terms of what would the Allman Brothers band have done if it if it stayed intact mm-hmm. and as it was in '71, where would that band have gone? And because of the the country influence that that Dickie Betts brought in because of the R&B and jazz influence mm-hmm. that J-Mo uh, brought into the band Be- because Dwayne was exploring every different uh, genre of, of music at the time mm-hmm. it would have probably gone in, in those directions and those those influences would have been apparent in anything that they did in later years so we might we might do uh, an almanized version of uh, All Blues yeah. by Miles Davis, you know? Or, or uh, uh, an arrangement of a very popular pop song uh, uh, but done in the style that the Allman Brothers band would do it if if they had remained together and, and gone on together. Yeah, and you have kind of an interesting you know, the ability to go back and look at what they did with the material that they took that were, were cover songs to kind of get a feel for how they approach those songs. So it does sure. give you a pretty fascinating 
template uh, to work off of. Now, let me ask you uh, one question because I know I don't want to keep you all all day. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. What about visually? Um, was that even a concern? I mean, the Bowman Brothers aren't a band where you know someone's got to look like Robert Plant, someone has to look like Jimmy Page or Paul Stanley. I don't know that anyone no. ever went to see the Bowman Brothers and cared what anyone looked like. No, um, no. Um, it, it wasn't a concern. Uh, we we were not. I mean, I wasn't going to dye my hair strawberry blonde. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to expect our keyboard player to do the same. Um, we're not a band that relies on costuming or, again, um, the show elements, lighting, special effects, mm-hmm. etc. cetera. Uh, it, the Brothers were a band that was about, you hit the stage, you tune up, and you start playing the music. and. and yeah. That that's what people were there for. In in a larger um, venue, we do try to add some, you know, visual interest to the show. Mm-hmm. We'll have uh, anywhere from one to three projection screens going, right. and uh, the the main the main one would be the late. Sixties, early seventies, liquid light show type display. Yeah, exactly. That you might like, see at a venue. Swirling tie dyes uh, and yeah, like stuff. Yeah, you know, people like uh, the Joshua Light Show, Joe's Lights uh, at, at Fillmore East and West, and the the other uh, video presentations would be slide still sh- still shots and video of the original members of the Allman Brothers band in performance. Mm-hmm. And then either a live camera feed or uh, slideshow of the members of Live at the Fillmore. Mm-hmm. So, much like other other acts performing in a large venue, where you can't really see the stage from from every vantage point as well as the people in the front row can, you want to uh, let the people who are farther back become involved in. Uh, What's going on on stage, and also some of the the historical aspect that was the basis for right. live at the Fillmore. Right. Well, Lou, I want to thank you um, for for taking so much time uh, to talk to us. Uh, your show is again August second at the uh, Jurgles in Warrendale, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh, for anybody who's curious or lives under a rock in the Pittsburgh area. Um, you're going to be doing a show. How Just before we go, how roughly how long is your set? Just uh, Well, as long as they'll let us play. <laughs> you know, we've, we've played Jurgles uh, a number of times before. We've played Pittsburgh um, a number of times before. We did the Station Square Summer Concert Series mm-hmm. last year. Uh, we played uh, Hard Rock Cafe earlier this year and uh, Jurgles I think this is our it's at least our third time back there so we'll we'll probably do at least two 60 plus minute uh, sets and uh, unless they don't want to hear an encore which it would be the first time in the history of the band <laughs> we'll, we'll come out and do an encore so okay. total total show for us usually runs two to three hours. Okay. So folks are certainly going to get their money's worth. Um, again, we want to thank you so much, Lou, for, for taking the time, and I wish you guys all the best, and we'll see you when you get into town next week. 
Thanks again, and I really appreciate you having me on to, uh, to talk about the band. Here comes Government Mule, live in concert. One night, August 13th, Stage AE, Government Mule. Special guest, Galactic. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or the Stage AE box office. Feel the kick of Government Mule, presented by Promo West North Shore in Coors Light. Already again, a big thank you to Lou Maresco of Live at the Fillmore. They will be at Jurgles on August 2nd doing a show there. Um, originally, I think, you know, with Iron City Rocks, we sort of shied away from um, tribute bands. We've had a few over the years. Brit Floyd, uh, for example, Mr. Speed, um, Led Zeppelin II, I believe. Uh, and there may have been some others that my mind is, is forgetting at the moment. But we haven't really focused on them. But, uh, you know, over time... You know, I think as we sit here now, um, after the death of Greg Allman, starting to see the place that these types of bands have in the musical climate, because unfortunately for many of us, you know, of a certain age, the bands that we grew up uh, as kids listening to and really loving aren't available for us to see anymore. I mean, the the, um, Pink Floyd, for example, is not going to, uh, you know, reunite and come rolling through our town as much as we might wish for Led Zeppelin to come through our town. It's not going to happen. Um, obviously, the Allman Brothers are not going to come through our town anymore. Um, and, and even if the bands that are out there that still tour, uh, a lot of the bands um, have matured and their sound has changed over the years, which is part of what we talked about with Lou. You know, the Allman Brothers that you saw in 2007 had nothing to do with the Allman Brothers you would have seen in 1977. So... Um, you know, a band such as Live the Fillmore, who really, you know, sought out to recreate a particular point in time, are doing something even different than the original band would have been doing had they still been touring. So, um, you know, you couple that with, you know, how many bands, um, you know, when they are touring at this stage of their career, are touring with one, two original members and some younger musicians. So, you know, starting to see, you know, the relevance of some of these bands, you know, if you're a, a fan of you know, we mentioned Foreigner in the interview. You know, if you go see Foreigner, you're going to see one member of the, of you know, the classic lineup. Well, this tour, on, you know, I apologize, you're going to see Lou Graham do uh, some select songs on select shows. But you're not going to see the original band Foreigner as it was on Foreigner 4 or, you know, the debut self-titled album touring. So um, this is kind of why I think we, we you know, we are coming to accept tribute bands more than maybe we used to. So... Uh, I just wanted to um, give that thought. Uh, we want to invite you to check out ironcityrocks.com. Uh, you can check out uh, all 344 podcasts that preceded this, uh, including a lot of the artists that we've uh, spoke to over the years. Also invite you to check out Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, are all forward slash ironcityrocks, and you can hit us up at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. If there's somebody uh, you enjoyed listening to, somebody you didn't enjoy listening to, you don't enjoy listening to me, you don't enjoy listening to our co-host Sean, um, any information or you know feedback you have, we we welcome and, and appreciate. So check that out. And uh, until next time, we want to thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>